Stephanie, welcome to In the Pews. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I mean, you're a mom, you're you're a business owner, you're active with the church, and we thank you that you're able to take a little bit of time to come over here to, to St. Bart's. And thank you to St. Bart's, by the way, too. Yes, absolutely. I'm honored to be here and to uh, to share my story. You've been with St. Faustina for how long now? Right around eight years. Eight years. So were we still in the school at the time? Absolutely, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those uh, metal chairs, I will forever remember those when I was pregnant, yes. <laughs> and then and then moving on now to our new building, and oh, it's so exciting that it's we're— you know, we're growing. Incredibly exciting to be part of to be part of that, to have seen it come from the uh, elementary school to now um, our own our own place to call home. So your family's been growing along with St. Faustina at it the same time. It huh? absolutely has. Yes. Yes. That's yes. awesome. Mm-hmm. We've had, um, I was, when we were at the elementary school, I was pregnant with twins. So that's why I remember the uh, metal chair so well. And um, and then we, uh, after that, you know, a few years after that, we had our daughter. And so, yes, so we've had uh, added three of uh, beautiful children to the uh, to the church as we have, um, as the church has grown. So did you grow up here in Houston? I did not. I grew up in South Texas. So I was uh, born in Kingsville, Texas. And um, when my parents got divorced, we moved to my, my mom and my brother and I moved to Victoria. And we um, I grew up there from second grade through uh, high school. So it was a great place to grow up. Uh, semi-small town, not super small town like some of our, uh, our beloved Texas towns are, but um, it was a place where a lot of people knew um you know, who you were. So um, it was a great place for me to grow up. Did you grow up Catholic? I did not. I I did not grow up Catholic. Both of my grandparents were Catholic. Um, My parents were Catholic when they, um, growing up. So when I would spend time with my grandparents, they, both my mom's, um, my my mother's mom and her dad had passed away when they were young. So, um, and then my dad's parents, um, very Catholic. I mean, and I say very Catholic, right? Like, what does that mean? Well, <laughs> my dad's parents every morning would read from the Bible. It didn't matter what time. We were usually up early because we were hunting and fishing and doing all these other things outdoors. Um, every morning we started with scripture. We started with quiet time. We started with prayer together. Um, and then my uh, my mom's mom, my grandmother, uh, my grandma Bame, she would, you know, devout every Sunday, going to church. And that was, you know, she, she never remarried. She, you know, raised four beautiful daughters on her own. And in a time where it was, you know, really challenging for, um, for her, and but never remarried and always just spoke so lovingly of her husband, um, my grandfather. And so that's really kind of, um, you know, set that tone. My grandmother's made a huge impact on me as far as the um, under just having a insight into the Catholic faith, um, what it what it meant to them, having that community, having the um just that love of scripture and um, just staying focused with God. Always. So they lived their faith, not just by name, but Ex- they lived it. Yes, exactly. That's a great. They lived their faith. My my grandmothers were very strong women, um, and you know my grandfather was a difficult man. 
he didn't find Jesus until his 50s. No. And he was, um, you know, he had a lot of demons that he struggled with. But when he found Jesus, it was very um, beautiful. Um, I was too young to have known that. Uh-huh. But I watched him in the later his later years where he he made sure everybody knew who Jesus was. And that was that was really um, something that whether you wanted to or not as a as a child, it was there. It was present in his house. Um, and you were going to honor that, regardless of, of of what what you thought you were going to do. It was going to happen. <laughs> so even though you had the grandparents who were very devout, you said that you didn't grow up Catholic, really. No, we were. Um, I was baptized Catholic, uh-huh. um, and then my parents divorced when I was in kindergarten, so five or six. Uh-huh. And you know, I don't I don't remember going. We we went to church occasionally with uh-huh. my grandparents, and they didn't, we lived in different towns. Um, we may have gone a little bit when, you know, growing up, um, I had friends who went through, I think it was called CCE at the time, right? Yes. Their confirmation classes and uh-huh. and all of those things. And I was always curious about it, but it just wasn't, it wasn't present. So Okay. It yeah. was there culturally, it was there for, you know, first communions and things like that, but it wasn't a, a daily thing like your grandparents, like you said, huh? Correct. Yes. Yeah. When did you get in, more in touch with your faith? When... I was in college, so I, it's it's very it's kind of it's really beautiful to look back on and think about all of the pieces and the people that God put in my life. So being being from a divorced family, um, you know, my parents love me. But they're not we're not perfect people, right? And, mm-hmm. and and I can look back now and be like, okay, well, you know, I'm I'm just hoping doing the best I can with my kids. Yeah. So um, he put. You know, in high school and growing up when I was, you know, at home, he put people in my life who had parents that were still married and had beautiful marriages. And so that always really stuck with me when I kind of think back of, wow, that's really beautiful um, because it does exist. Yeah. And then in college, my best friend, she was Catholic. So we would go to church and it was we would do it on most Sundays. Um, I did definitely live my college life um, to the best of my ability, but um, but we would go, and it was he kept he, he kept providing people in my life that that were made me more intrigued and more intrigued, and I was going down a path that I was not um, even after college. You know, I, I kept going back and forth, and 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 then the sense of I knew I was missing it. I was missing something in my life. I wasn't fulfilled. Um, I wanted more. I wanted more with. With God, so I had my my high school friends who had parents that were married. I had my college friend who was Catholic, and her parents were Catholic, and and that opened it. You know, opened it. It kept it. It was always in the forefront. It was always part of my life, um, in some form or fashion. And then when I got um, out of school, um, I kept trying to find a church. It wasn't necessarily a Catholic church. I just wanted to be in a church. Yes. I wanted to be somewhere. Uh-huh. Um, so I tried different places, right? I, you know, I lived in Dallas for a little bit. Um, I went to A&M. Um, and so that the, the Catholic church there, if, you've, if you're an Aggie, you uh-huh. know, gig them, whoop. Um, they, <laughs> it's a phenomenal church. Anybody, yes. you know, it is a phenomenal church for um, young adults. Uh, and I wish at the time I would have been even more involved in it, but just mm. even going to the... Um, the masses, the homilies were just so pointed at 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 me. Uh-huh. And so when I went to when I lived in Dallas for a short stint after in my adult life after college, 
Um, I kept trying to find these churches, and they were, you know, the non-denominationals, um, and just I just wasn't. I wasn't clear, but I was searching. You, you um, shopped around. A I shopped bit. around. Yeah, that's a great way. I shopped around, um, and because I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, and then I came to Houston, and um, God put other people in my life. Right, a, 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 a friend of mine who became a friend. She was a coworker who was doing Bible studies, and she said, "Hey, do you want to come?" And I'm like. Uh, yes, absolutely. Wow. Like you can just ask people that because that wasn't something I grew up with understanding. And so I was very intimidated. I didn't understand the Bible. I didn't know how to navigate the Bible. Uh Um, And so, yeah, I kind of, he kept putting people, he was like, I'm still here. I'm not leaving you. Um, Here's this person. Here's this person that's going to help you in your faith. And so that's how I felt when I look at the time. I don't know that I saw it like that. Yeah. But when I look back, I'm like, thank you. Thank you for putting these beautiful people in my life to show me an example of what God's love looks like because uh-huh. they kept, I kept getting invited and and now I get to invite people. But I, at the time I was really searching. And again, it, it was, uh, I think it ended at the Bible study was through a Baptist parish. <laughs> I mean, I was looking for anything at yeah, this yeah. point, right? There and was something missing in your life. There was absolutely something missing. Um, and I just, I kept searching and searching, um, and I was getting in a better place with God. I was, I was creating a relationship with him, you know, in a way that, um, you know, I didn't know if I was doing it right, but I just kept trying. I just kept saying, well, here I am. I don't know how to read the Bible. I don't have it memorized. I can't, I can't, you know, just spout off scripture. I'm trying. How come uh-huh. I can, mem- I'm in my head now, like, how can I memorize a song, but I'm having a hard time memorizing scripture sometimes. So I, you know, that's that going back and forth with myself of, I'm not, you know, I'm still not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. But that's, I think that for me, that's probably a never ending, um, you know, struggle of, you know, in that regard. And so I went down this path. I met my now husband um, who, who had who had at the time said, you know, I really don't know if I believe in God. Mm. And I remember thinking, where's the eject button on this relationship? <laughs> because I said, okay, God, I mean, I really, I really like this man. I mean, he is uh-huh. wonderful to me. Yes. Um, but I can't be taken away from you again. And so we 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 moved forward um, and we got married outside of the church and mm. we went through a really within a year a really difficult time in our in our marriage um where where um we both basically said we need something different we need to we need to figure this out because what we're doing isn't working uh-huh. and um he had he had in in kind of during that time it was, I remember it was in a, uh, my brother, I remember talking to my brothers over in Easter and he said, well, I just got confirmed. And I said, what? He said, yeah, I went through RCIA, the Rite of Christian, um, is it initiation, initiation of, a, of yeah. adults? Yeah. Yes. And so it was just kind of out of nowhere. He said, I just got confirmed last night. How and old I, was he at this time? 
Oh my goodness, he was probably in his early thirties. Okay, so right, yeah. so you know his early thirties, and so he and I had a, we, obviously he's he's the only one that who's lived the kind of the same background in life that I have, divorced parents and the uh-huh. the faith, and he married a a wonderful person who is one of my best friends, my sister in law, who grew up Catholic, and so she's you know that was. God put her in his life yes. to kind of get him back on track, right? So so he he's he he shared that with me and I thought, "Oh, I'm so proud of you." Like I remember thinking, "I'm so proud of you and I'm going to do that. Why uh-huh. have I not done that yet?" So I went through and I started looking for a church. You're in this whole really difficult time in my marriage, very early in my marriage, right? Cuz I'm thinking, "This is, you know, I got this." Uh-huh. Um, but we didn't. We didn't. We didn't as a couple. We didn't as individuals. And um, and I remember waking up one morning. I had found a church, St. John Vianney, and I don't. I couldn't. I don't even remember how we ended up finding it. But um, we we went to mass there one day, and I remember the the I remember the homily so well because we had been to a few other masses at Catholic churches, uh-huh. and how we got to the Catholic church, and how I got my husband to um, just agree to learn more. I never required it. I never. And mm-hmm. it wasn't anything. But he said, you know what? I will agree to learn more because I feel like he likes history. Uh-huh. And one of the beautiful things that I appreciate and respect so much about um, our Catholic faith is that you can follow the lineage. They're real places, right? Like we yes. can go to Jerusalem. We yes. can go to Israel. We can see all of these places. We can see the tomb of Jesus. And so I thought, oh, thank you, God. Like that was a way for me to understand him a little bit better um, and, and that in that regard. And so... So his approach was a little more intellectual. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, he had a different, you know, a different, his reasonings and I respected them and 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 all of, you know, he's a really good person. So it wasn't that, it was just yeah. faith, having your faith in your marriage is, is the number one thing that we need mm-hmm. um, for longevity, right? Yes. I mean, um, so... We, I'll never, for, never forget this homily so much because we were sitting there and we had been to a couple different Catholic churches and masses, and I could just feel it wasn't the right place. We, we were at Saint John Vianney. This was before Saint Faustino was ever established, and so it was near where, near where we lived. Uh-huh. Um, and the priest said was talking about the the celebrities and the different. Um, different religions out there and the atheists and the people who don't believe in God. And he and he said something that was very meaningful to me and to my husband both. He said, in order to b- not believe in something, you have to believe it. Mm. And it was very impactful to me. And I thought, wow, I never thought about it like that. Um, but even to my husband, he said, I can go here. And I thought, oh, thank mm. you, Jesus. That's exactly what he needed to hear. Yeah. So kind of, you know, you know, fast forwarding, I woke up one day, I said, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go get, I'm going to have classes tonight. He's like, what do you mean? I got my confirmation classes tonight. He said, well, don't you think we should talk about that? <laughs> I said, oh. well, okay, let's talk about it. So it was, you know, I kind of just did it. Uh-huh. I didn't do it to be disrespectful or anything of that nature. You just were excited and wanted to join RCIA. Yeah, I had, I had, uh-huh. um, I had all of, you know, and and so 
I said, well, okay. And he's like, well, are you planning on raising your children Catholic? Yes, absolutely. Don't you think that should be a discussion? I was like, okay. So when are you going to get on board? So it's kind of a quick kind of a, I didn't really, it wasn't to be disrespectful. I just had such a vision of where I knew where I wanted to go. Uh-huh. So um, he agreed to join RCIA oh. to learn more. He never uh-huh. promised he was going to get confirmed, yes. and that was okay. Yes. Um, and what an amazingly beautiful experience it was for us. Um, it was amazing. So, you know, he felt like I knew more about the Catholic faith because I had, you know, I had at that point said, you know, I'm Catholic, uh-huh. right? I'm Catholic. I don't know everything, but I love, love God. I love Jesus. I love everything about it. And I was just trying to learn more. So I had confirmation classes, but he went through RCIA, which was because I was baptized Catholic. Mm. I didn't, it was, it's, and I didn't quite understand it. So I went through my confirmation classes, but, um, so my husband was married previously. So we had to go through, he had to go through a Catholic annulment. Okay. Um, so that was different. So I have two older stepdaughters that are my girls, right? I, I adore them and love them with everything I have in, in my whole being. Um, so that's different, right? So it was approach. So we went through RCIA and we learned about not just becoming Catholic, but what it meant before you were, before you understood, you know, before you lived your life of faith. And so, yeah, so that's how it ended up. So we both, he, I completed my confirmation classes, but couldn't get confirmed because we had not been married in the Catholic church. And he completed RCIA and he couldn't get confirmed because, you know, we had not been married in the Catholic church and the annulment wasn't completed yet. We had gone through that whole process and they were amazing about it. So it took and it, so we got done and we sat there and we said, oh my God, we feel we want to take communion so bad uh-huh. to have that privilege to have the body of Christ. I mean, I wanted it so bad. I mean, I would tear up just being like this, you know, it's not fair, right? <laughs> it's not fair, right? It's, you know, yeah. life's not fair, but that wasn't it. It was the, it was the waiting and we, we talked to our priest and we were just waiting for the annulment. That's what it was. So the following Easter, we got to get, we got to be confirmed and not only, con- but we had to do it together. And, oh, it gives me chills just thinking about it. It was such a beautiful service. It was Easter vigil. It was mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. And we were teared up and we were exhausted and we were emotional. And then, and that's, that's how we got to be in the Catholic faith not just one person, but both of us together. And this was at St. John Vianney. This was at St. John Vianney. That's fantastic. How long was this whole process? Um, About three years. Three years. Yeah, it was about three years. And so it definitely was not a between two and three years. I mean, it was it was not quick. Uh-huh. Um, it was kind of, it was like, was this is a, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Uh-huh. Um, we got impatient along the way, especially me, because I'm like, uh, I wanted it to happen a lot faster. But looking back now, I mean, it was worth every every step we took and every minute that we waited. Because when, even to this day, when we when we get to we, and I think of it as a privilege, when we have the privilege of taking communion, when we have, when, you know, because during COVID we didn't get to do that, but yeah. to, you know, the privilege of of having the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, I just, it just fills me up. And so, because I think back to those days where I just longed for it. I looked at, yeah. I watched people, I'm like, you have no idea how lucky you are. I want that <laughs> so bad. And so, 
Yeah. At any point, did you and your husband, like when things were, you know, a year into it, two years into the process, did you say, oh, maybe we should just bail out, go to another church? Did that thought ever creep in? No, no, it did not. Through um, the RCIA program, because even though I wasn't technically one of the catechumens, I went to all the classes because I wanted to learn more. Of course. I thought, well, I want to understand it too. Um, We found a community and we found people that were our friends and people that were really supportive of us, Um, not just in our Catholic faith, faith, but as individuals and and invested in in us as people and loved us. And that was such a different, you know, you— it's easy to make friends when you're young, but when you become an adult and you get married, you have to you have to find people who are gonna make you. You want to find people that it, that make you better, and mm-hmm. not just you personally, but you as a couple. And so we felt like we had found that, and it wasn't the folk, the people that were supporting us, um, the director, of the RCIA, and even the the priest. They said it's okay, you know, it's okay, it's a wait, you know, it's like you know. It, it's worth the wait, Stephanie. Uh-huh. It's worth the wait. And we're like, okay. So, um, no, we never, we never, I don't ever remember. I mean, don't get me, we got frustrated. We got impatient and all those <laughs> things because we wanted it so bad. Yeah. But we never, yeah. we never were like, it's going to get better somewhere else. So your husband, at what point did you realize, oh, looks like he's in, you know, he's all in here. There was a day of prayer um, that we went to through the program and, um, I got to go with him. Um, cause I went every time, you know, and, and there was a moment where he stood up and he shared, Oh, it was, it was, it was a very, it was an exercise. And they said, well, pick a toy out of this box. And he did. And I was, I, I didn't actually under, I don't remember the whole thing, but I remember what he said. He said, you know, I didn't always believe in God. Um, he, he I picked this phone because um, it was this, this SpongeBob plastic flip phone. Um, it was a kid's toy uh-huh. and didn't work. We still have this phone. And he said, you know, I used to not believe, you know, in, in, in God. And it was hard for me to understand it. He said, but then I realized that we all have a cell phone and we all make phone calls all the time. We use this cell phone, but do we really know how it actually works? But yet we have enough faith in it to trust that we're going to be able to call who we want to call uh-huh. and do the things that we want to do, even though we can't necessarily see it. Yeah. And so I, he said, that's the same with God. Why? It, it, it made me realize I can still have a relationship with God and trust him and, and have you know, um, have a real relationship with him just because I can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. Yeah. So it, it was kind of this interesting, it was his very analytical um, mind that 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 I thought, well, that's a really great, because not every, everybody thinks of things differently and their brains work differently. And I was not in any place to try to get him to, I didn't want to make him do anything. And that uh-huh. was never my goal, but I was just appreciative that he was willing to open his mind and his heart up to learning about it and to seeing, you know, can I, can I be there? And, and he is, and he's a, a, an incredible spiritual leader of our house today after, you know, a long, it's, it's been a long time now, you know, 10, 12 years. So 
It's a journey. It is a journey that is never ending. You have to fuel your fire um, because those flames can go out and you have to con- you have to continue fueling it because it's our job to do that. Now, when did you hear about St. Faustina? Um, gosh, I... Were you at one of those uh, town hall meetings that Father Dad did? Or? No, no, I was not. And I, I think we learned about it through some of our friends at um, at St. John, and they had told us about it. So I started looking it up. And, you know, because St. John, when we moved out here um, about t- 10 years ago in the Fulcher area, uh-huh. and so it was kind of St. Faustina had just started. It was in an elementary school, and I thought, I don't know if I'm really going to enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of, and so we learned about it, and then um, we, I was like, well, let's just try it. It's close, right? It's 10 minutes from our house. Like so how, much closer right? than St. John Vianney. So much closer. Uh-huh. So I, um, we did, and I, and I had a, it, it must have been from, there must have been talk about Father Dat, how great he was, and through some of the other um, Bible studies that we have been doing, and some of our friends that also lived out in the Fulcher area. Uh-huh. And, or, you know, Katie Fulcher, Richmond area. And so we went there and I thought, okay, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's cute. He's so sweet. You know, <laughs> father, dad, he's all, you know, and, and I, and at that time, you know, it was, um, we were, I was probably in the pregnant if I had to kind of remember, cause it's all kind of a blur with my, my twin boys. And so it's very uncomfortable um, to be there, but then, you know, we would kind of go, okay, well, we want to we want to be part of this church. We want to be part of a church, but we missed our. We didn't want to lose our community at St. John. Oh yeah. So that we were struggling in that back and forth because um, we didn't really know all of the things that St. St. Faustina had to offer. Even at that time, I couldn't tell you. But I wasn't. We really didn't want to lose our our community. It wasn't just our friends. It was just that community that when you walked in, you know who's there, and you yeah. you know our Acts sisters and brothers were there. Yeah. Um, so you went to Acts at. St. John I did. Yeah. I went to Acts and I teamed twice um, through St. John and my, my, and um, Drew, my husband went to Acts and he teamed as well. So, um, so yeah. So that just, and then the RCIA, you know, prior to that. So you have all these different layers of community where you really ingrain yourself in a community. And that was huge for us. Right. I mean, our, um, our social life really revolved around our church family, and that was different, something I never thought. I didn't even understand it. When people would say community, I really didn't understand what that meant. Um, so, yeah, so that's how we ended up coming to St. Faustina, and we were like, well, we're going to split our time. We're going to go here, and then all of a sudden, it's just St. Faustina became more and more, um, uh-huh. and, and maybe after the boys were born, you know, as far as um, um, timing and being tired and trying to get up for church. Oh yeah, when but, you have young children, yeah, right. closer is a lot more convenient. Yeah, yeah. closer. <laughs> but Father Dad really drew us in. Um, he, oh, yeah. without a doubt, he, um, you know, is just just such a warm and welcoming um, priest and person in general. And so, yeah, we just kind of he kept us coming back. Um, He's a perfect person for a growing church. He's wonderful. Like that. Yeah, he definitely is. And my kids absolutely adore him. Um, I tell people, you know, my kids like to sit in the front as front as possible. They would sit in the front row if I let them, but I don't trust them enough yet. <laughs> they are four and seven, so I don't trust them enough yet. Um, but they like to be on the aisle because if Father Dad is the um, is is the priest of that mass, then he waves at them, and it seems so simple, but it feels my. You could see my kids just 
they fill up. They fill up with joy and happiness mm-hmm. because Father Dad waved at them on the way in and on the way out, and it's beautiful. Now, you said you had twins? Yes, yes. I uh, We had twin boys, um, and um, back in 2015, beautiful, beautiful children, and um, unfortunately, um, so I traced our Tucker and Trace. They were born in November of uh, 2015, and um, the, you know, Life was hard with twins. I'm not going to, you know, uh, and we adjusted. (laughs) But in the uh, June of of 2016, Tucker died unexpectedly. And so it was um, talk about rocking your faith. Oh, yeah. Um, We we, uh, did not know what had what had occurred. Um, We got this call. The 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 day runs around in my head like a bad dream all the time. Um, we did understand after, um, you know, uh, afterwards that, um, like kids, he had gotten sick, but he had gotten the flu pretty bad a few months uh, prior, and he ended up passing away of acute myocarditis. <clears throat> was he in the hospital, is, or it was just... It was just instant. Um, wow. And so acute myocarditis is the infection of a heart, of the heart. And so... Um, he had gotten he had gotten sick, uh-huh. and we were you know working through the process. Um, it's very hard to detect in infants and children, um, especially of that age. So he was seven months and eleven days old when he passed away. Wow! So he was just kind of sick, and then all of a sudden, yeah, at the drop of a hat, just, wow, he was gone. And so um, I will, you know. We're coming up on seven years next week um, for that June 14th on Wednesday. And so that um, is something that will always be our struggle. You know, I will grieve our son for the rest of our life. Of course. My life. My life. Um, Trace was, um, and Tucker, they were just, every, I mean, I was I say I was older. I was in my, you know, 30s when I had kids. I didn't uh-huh. marry until I, w- I just didn't find the right person who could, uh-huh. who, who I felt like I was, um, you know. So I waited in my life to have all of these things until um, I was ready. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't where I could give myself to somebody else and to my kids. And, um, yeah, I was mad. <laughs> I was really mad at God. Let's let's let me be really it's, it's really natural. transparent about yeah. that. Um I will it's all such a blur. Um I had you know that day when we get the call, I got the call. Um I'll try to keep it a little bit high level cuz it's a little it's hard to um kind of dive into, but Of course. My ex sister showed up with her husband who was also my husband's we're, we're like best friend like best couples right we're best friend couples uh-huh. and um they showed up and i it was hot i don't i don't know everything i don't know what was going on um we weren't allowed inside there was a lot of things that were happening as you can imagine investigations uh-huh. and things of that nature and um They showed up 
and they didn't know what to say and what to do, but they started praying the Hail Mary. They just started saying, she started singing the Hail Mary. And that's all she just Hail Mary over and over and over. Uh-huh. And I'll never forget that um, because that's, I could at least focus on that because I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't, my brain couldn't, couldn't process uh-huh. anything else. And um, just her, her, her voice just kept going over and over. And then two people from St. Faustina showed up to pray with us. I couldn't, I, I remember the lady, it was a, either it was a, a seminarian and I don't know where he was at in the process. I couldn't even tell you, but I remember they just, they came and they started praying because uh-huh. what else is it? And I don't even know what they said, but they showed up. Um, the next day, Deacon Randy showed up. So what, um, and, and I say showed up, I mean, I, I don't know. They just said, hey, can we come? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, I don't, uh-huh. I don't really, I don't have a, I don't have a lot in me right now. Yeah. Um, and so I, Deacon Randy came and what, what was really, it's really beautiful. He's such an amazing man, but we knew, we knew he was on the RCIA team when Drew went through RCIA. Mm. He was on the Axe team. He wasn't a deacon yet. Oh, he was go- yeah. he was going through the process of being a deacon. Uh-huh. And so he, um, we already adored and loved Deacon Randy. So when he went to St. Faustina, it was also a sign oh. of like, hey, this yeah. is what a, wh- how, what a blessing. Yes. Um, and then Father Dak came to my house and he sat and he talked to us and he prayed. And... Um, you know, I don't remember a lot in that time, I, I, and, and I've been told it's probably a good thing because of the emotions and the feelings and yeah. things like that, and that's okay. Um, I don't need to remember the process afterwards, but I remember certain things. I remember um, when when Father, I remember sitting on the front porch with Father that because I had a house full of people. And I wanted, and what else do you do? So instead of kicking them out, Father Dat, myself, and Drew, and <laughs> Trace, who was a baby, all sat on the front porch, and he presented us. Um, if you remember, there is a poster. It was the um, that he that we had on the at the at the elementary school that we all looked at. Right, it's the one we have up now. And um, he said, "I've been praying to this for the last two years, and I'm going to give it to you." Is it an uh, image of Saint Faustina? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's the image of Saint. Sorry, it's the image of Saint Faustina that was always up on, on the altar at yes. the elementary school. And so I remember, I was like. <gasps> I mean, even in the midst of all my feelings and grief, I was in awe because what an honor to be given this out of all the parishioners. Yeah. And I was still half and half, right? I wasn't even <laughs> all the way in, right? I was in, he didn't even, I don't even, he didn't even know who we were, right? Um, to give was so meaningful. And um, so, yeah, so that's where, um, our faith was rocked big time. I was mad for a long time. Um, I wouldn't, I refused to pray, pray to Jesus. Really? I was mad at him because, and God, I said, you don't deserve me right now. This is how I felt. Uh-huh. Um, how can you, you know, how all the feelings that you can imagine feeling when you lose a child that you had no idea, like we had no warning. There was, there was nothing that we could have prepared us for that. Um, We trust me, we've done all the research and looked back and said, how do we, you know, what, what could we have done differently? And, and it's still after, you know, almost seven years, I still 
get in these moments. So Yeah, because you expect your parents to go before you. You expect your grandparents to go before you. You don't exactly. expect your child to go before you. Exactly. It's not a natural transition of life. And so, um, yeah, it, it was hard. I remember we, we got into therapy right away because um, we were— we were we had worked so hard to have our faith first, and what a thing to rock you! And it scared us both um, that we were going to. Um, we just scared the future, scared us, and how we were going to um, handle life after the death of our son. Because it's not it's it's life before and life after. We were not the same people that we were. Uh huh. Um, and it's sometimes hard for people to be around us because they think, well, you're not that. Well, you used to do this. You're right. I did. I don't do that anymore. Uh-huh. And it's, it wasn't, it's not things that, you know, but it's, I'm not the same person. I don't, I don't. Um, so we, we started, we started in, we started in therapy right away. And that there, and I remember a therapist saying, well, you guys may be a little bit early. You may need to kind of feel your feelings. And I said, no, I don't want to go far off. I uh-huh. wanted, we went to a Catholic therapist and I said, because I just, I didn't know, I didn't know. And it was a very profound moment. And I had thought about this a lot. And the therapist asked, um, how do you feel about your faith? How's your faith right now after, you know, I don't even know how long we had been there. And I just sat quiet. And my my husband, Drew, he, he, he said very honestly, and he said, it's really rocky. I'm struggling with it right now. Uh-huh. And I loved him so much for being so honest, Right. And he's like, I'm really mad. And I'm like, ditto. Right there with you. I'm yeah. right there with you. Uh-huh. Like I feel. And so he he spoke a little bit more and, and I and it's hard, it's hard to talk about it. It's hard to say, I'm mad at Jesus. I'm mad at God. I'm uh-huh. so mad right now. I can't even think about you. I can't even look at you because we're not allowed, we're not taught that we can do that, right? Because but reality is this, it's a two-way relationship. And he knows how you're feeling. He knew how I was feeling. Yeah. I was just trying to contain it. And so I um when I got to answer that question and I was like and I remember just basically saying is, you know, my job now is to fight to get to heaven. Yes, I'm mad and I'm upset, but I still I'm not gonna lose my faith because I wanna be with my son for eternity. So I made that conscious decision that um I mean, you couldn't get more knocked on your feet, off your feet than at that in those moments. And so I made a conscious decision that I'm going to fight to get to heaven because that's what it feels like sometimes, right? Like we're on this constant fight to stay on track. But every day I'm like, nope, I know where I want to be and I know where I'm going. And I may not always be perfect to get there, but I'm going to get there. And so it took me... um, a really long, long time to, I, I want to say, you know, there are things that made me feel better along the way where I would write, I journaled a lot. Uh-huh. Um, I haven't gone back and read those, read those journal entries. I would write to Tucker, my son, uh-huh. um, quite a bit. Um, some of it's apologizing to him, you know, because I'm like, I'm sorry, I couldn't protect you. Um, all of the things that as a mom, um, that you feel like that you're, you're supposed to do, um, so that is something that, you know, I haven't gone back to read those journal entries. I'm sure they were really dark, um, but it took me about a year before I would even acknowledge God and Jesus. I really did. Really? It, it uh. didn't, it's not that I, that I stopped 
um, having quiet time. It's not that I stopped reading the Bible. I mean, it 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 we went to church when we could, uh-huh. um, but church was really hard um, because I'm supposed to have two. I'm supposed to. I'm a twin mom. And yeah, I'm I'm losing. Yeah. I don't have you know one of my my sons with me. But I always went back to Mother Teresa because she was away from her relationship with God for a long period of time, and that always said I always it made myself feel. I try to make myself feel better. Say, Mother Teresa did it. Don't do it for that long, but give yourself some grace and some time because when you come back, it's going to be even. You're you're gonna when you're ready, he's going to be there. So I had a um, a lunch with a client, right? Um, and he asked me, "How are you doing?" And I said, "I'm fine, just real flat." Maybe six months after a Tucker had passed away, and he said, "No, you're not." Uh, so. Excuse me? He said, there's no way you can be okay. Don't lie to me. And I kind of just shook my head and, and I didn't want to I didn't want to go there. Yeah. Because it's very you can be very vulnerable. And, yes. I, and I had figured out how to function enough in real life, but then I could have I knew how to who how to for the most part deal with my emotions so I could do it in my private time. Mm-hmm. And the one thing he told me that felt very um, and I've told people this since, and, and he looked at me and he said, Stephanie, you need to get mad at God. You mm. need to yell at him. Don't hold on to how you're feeling. Let him have it. Let just yell at him. Do whatever it is that you need to do, but you need to let him have it because he already knows how you're feeling about him right now. Mm. And I was taken aback by this. I was like, you can't talk about, you can't talk to God like that. What? Um, so it took me a while to process this thought and I thought, nope, I kept pushing it aside and pushing it aside. And then one day the grief got so heavy and so hard. Um, and I remember just finally letting go. And I, I said, oh, I mean, I was by myself, right? Nobody else was around. This uh-huh. was a very, you know, I was in my house, probably in the closet, because that seems to be the safe place when you're grieving to go. So I, and I just remember all kinds of words came out of my mouth. I don't even know if I was speaking in tongue. I mean, it just, it just all finally came out. You just let it all loose. I let it all loose. And it was a turning point for my relationship with God, because it was no longer based on platitudes. It was based on a real relationship that went both ways. Um, because then, again, he already knew how I felt. Yeah. Why was I holding on to something? Why not just let him have it? And I wasn't doing it to be disrespectful, but I was just in so much pain that um, if I didn't give it to him, then I was going to put it on other people, like you my were, marriage. You were being honest. Right. And yeah. so having that real yeah. honesty it wasn't easy, but it was something that I um, am so grateful that that person had really pressed me on mm-hmm. um, because I've, I have now, unfortunately, had to share that with several of my friends who have lost loved ones, whether it be their husband or their child um, since then. And seven years seems like a long time, but a very short time. And so I have told people that more than once, more than twice, 
And they will come back and say, you know, when you told me that, I was really taken aback. Like, I can't talk to God like that. And I said, I know, honey. I felt the same way. But then they would text me, it may be a month later, and say, it finally got too much. And I just let him have it. And you're right. I feel better. Mm-hmm. And he's still there. Yeah. So. At what point do you think it gets a little bit better? I don't I don't know that it does. I the way that I've described it to people is when when your when your child dies, when my son Tucker died, it was like all of a sudden somebody put a 500 pounds weight on my back and it crushed me. It crushed me to the ground. I couldn't get up, I couldn't move. And Fight is always a word that I feel like I use a lot because sometimes it feels like a fight. It's a struggle, right? So I'm just fighting to survive. And so that 500 pounds, just pretend like it's a backpack for just a visual. And all of a sudden, you know, one day I may get up on my elbow, but I fall back down. But then you get up on your knee and you fall back down. And then eventually you just keep trying and one day you're standing. And then one day you're taking a step. And then one day you're, t- you're walking a mile. But that 500-pound backpack is always on your back. And there are moments when you still get crushed by it, but you keep fighting to get up. And that's the best analogy that I've been able to come up with as far as, you know, when does it get better? I think you just and you get, you get used to figuring out, at least for me and my, my brain and my engineering brain is, okay, I know I can handle this. But I really know I need my time. I know I need my time to cry. And I know I need my time to, you know, look at pictures of my son and, and you know, how am I going to approach life, um, being a, kind of a very analytical. Um, so I think now that's how I put it. It's like all my husband, Drew and I just had these these 500-pound backpacks put on our backs that crushed us. Pretty like it's 1,000 pounds. I remember my, and every day we're just we're trying we're, we 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 get we get stronger in that regard. But then there's sometimes where it just crushes you, and you have to give yourself grace for that, because um, if you don't, then you're just you're carrying it and you just get worn out, and then you start taking down other people, and that's the um, that's where I have to be very mindful of, right? Because who who do you take it out on the most is the people that love you the most. Yeah, that's the easiest one. Yeah. So the, the, the interesting, it's really not interesting, but the thing that we're going through right now is Trace being seven, Andy's four. Um, and so Trace being a twin, you know, that twin relationship, it's real. So yeah. when he was younger, we grieved and we, we grieved for ourselves, right? Because we... Um, he didn't know he was seven months old, seven yeah. and a half months old. So yeah. he he could see things, and I just remember thinking, "Oh my! I mean, God, please, please don't let me." I didn't want to say, but I I wanted him to have the the best life possible, right? Even the midst of this, I wanted to be able to emotionally be there for yes. him, right? And try to be aware and not, um, I don't, I can't quite think of a word, but not have him so damaged that he can't function, right? Because like, mm-hmm. so that's what also the fight was for me was to, um, he kept me grounded. 
um, Trace kept me grounded. Trace is the one who I was like, I woke up every day because if not, I didn't have a reason to wake up. Like, who was I going to take care of? I didn't care about myself at that point. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, that's just, just be really, let's be real, real transparent. I didn't, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I deserved to have anything at that point. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, and that's being really raw. But, um, but now as Drew and I have, have figured our grief out and understand that we grieve at different times and we grieve in different ways mm-hmm. and that as a couple, we're likely never going to be on the same page when it comes to grief and that's okay. But if we can give each other space and that grace to say, hey, I'm having a hard time right now. I need a minute. You got it. You got it. What do you need me to do? Can you take the kids here? Can you? Absolutely. Um you know, I may want to go to mass. And he's like, do you want me to come? And I'm like, no, actually, I don't. I just need to, you know. So we have found a way to communicate that allows each other to grieve in our own way. Somebody told me that very early on is um, as a couple being married that y'all are going to grieve differently. You know, we're different people. Yeah. Um, he's he's the dad. I'm the mom a husband, I'm the wife, like we have you know, the different responsibilities. And so his way of grieving is different. And that was such a, such a great thing for us to keep in mind. We yeah. didn't always do it perfectly, but we always knew, okay, today is a day for you. We got, I got to respect that. Yeah. But now we're at a place where Trace is grieving his brother. Mm. And that's different because it, even though we think, okay, we're at a good place and we're 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 walking marathons right now, right? Uh-huh. We get knocked back on off of our feet because having to answer questions because we talk about Tucker, we go see Tucker, we you know we decorate his his grave, we you know that's the that's the the way I explain it is that's the closest place to heaven on earth that I can get to my son. Mm-hmm. You know that's how it feels. My kids will not know will always, or should I say, always know being in a, you know, um, they call it graveyards that are by church, but that's a cemetery. That's very normal for them. And I'm like, well, this is our life. So talking about heaven at a very young age is for him is normal. Mm. Um, So here we're seven and it started probably three years ago maybe four, um, he would, you know, say, you know, I miss my brother. I miss my brother. I miss Tucker. Oh. And you're like, okay, baby. And so we'd go see him and we would talk. But then when it really started happening was when he started having a life change and went to kindergarten. And that uh-huh. was two years ago. And, you know, holding, putting him to bed and all of a sudden he would just start crying. And I'm like, what's wrong, honey? What's wrong, baby? He's like, mommy, I miss Tucker so bad. I miss Tucker and bawling. I mean, he would just start bawling and like almost to hyperventilating. He was going to throw up. And I'm wow. just like, wow, because my grief wasn't hard enough. But watching my child yeah. grieve him is wow. You know, so we are um, we're working through that because I don't. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like for him. And it's been, you know, it comes and goes um, as far as like the heaviness of it. Yeah. But there's not one day we don't talk about Tucker. Um, We have, you know, obviously all of those, um, you know, the pictures and things of that nature. But to watch my son and now my daughter, who's four, who's somebody that, you know, she, 
Tucker, you know, was gone before she was even born, uh-huh. but she feels very much connected to him. She's kind of miss, she, you know, calls her, calls him her little brother, but I miss my brother. I miss my brother. I want Tucker. Uh-huh. Um, in this, this past Christmas, um, we were at a, my kids got to go or, or, you know, seeing Santa Claus and Miss Claus. And uh-huh. it was very, it was last minute. It was unexpected where we were going. Um, and so the kids were up there taking a picture. It was great. Um, we left and they, you know, told them what they wanted from Santa. And I didn't think anything of it because we were, you know, it's in and out cause it's so quick. It was a couple hours later and he said, and he asked me again. He's asked me the same questions a lot. Mommy, can you come back from heaven? I said, no, baby, you can't. Once you're in heaven, you stay in heaven. Mm-hmm. And he, he shook his head and he said, well, I guess my wish from Santa is not going to come true. And I remember looking, I looked at him and I liked it, Drew, because we were kind of, we were kind of, and I, we both stopped and I said, well, baby, I said, what did you ask him for? And he said, the only thing I wanted for Christmas was for my, my brother to come down from heaven and play with me for the day. And I said, you're right. That's not going to come true, but wow, what an amazing, amazing wish for you to ask for. Yeah. And so that's our current life is we we pray after communion together as a family in church and I'm trying to quiet my you gotta whisper guys because I want them to understand what it it feels like to pray. Uh-huh. Praying out loud is so vulnerable. But hearing them pray and be like, you know, God, please take care of Tucker. Please take care of my brother. I love him so much. Um those prayers from kids are genuine. Yeah. Right. I can't that's not something that I've taught them. That's not something, I mean, that is just, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit coming out in my kids and reminding me that we're going to, I'm going to get there one day and I'm just trying to help them get there too. So. Don't you just wish that you could just take away that pain and bury oh, yourself for your children? Every second of every day, <laughs> but Every second of every day, but this is their journey yeah. and it's creating, it's making them who they are. Yes. And him being a twin, you know, he, he's definitely, um, he feels things more intuitively. Mm. Um, he's, he's, he's very aware of what people's feelings at a very young age. And we try to tell his, his teachers that. And, the, and after they're like, you're not kidding. He, <laughs> he very much is. And he's a normal, yeah. I mean, he's a normal boy yeah. running around being rambunctious, all those things. But he has a very, very soft side where he's, he's a very affectionate. He likes to, he likes to be right beside you. Um, he wants to cuddle even at seven and I'm like out all day long. And my daughter's like, could you move your arm off of me? please?" like, okay. You know, so we have two very different personalities that we're working, that we are, but she feels it too, maybe because of her brother, you know, Trace, but she very much is, you know, has her own feelings that she's working yeah. through. Yeah. How about your husband? How did he deal with, you know, the loss? You know, I think the, his his feelings that that stuck with me right that is Stephanie I'm his dad I'm your husband it's my job to protect you yeah and I didn't do that yeah um and he has such a deep profound love for his family and for his kids I mean he in in he and I both said why couldn't it have been me I would have I would have you know, they people say I would give my last breath just so you could breathe another. He and I both 
very, very much truly feel that way. Um, so, you know, it that's hard. And I don't know that there's anything that I could say or do, you know, to make him feel differently about it other than encourage him to, um, you know, say prayer, get into fellowship. And, and that's a hard thing because men don't generally talk about their feelings. And that was the, yeah. that was the, the piece during, um, you know, cause there's Facebook pages for grieving moms, uh-huh. but there's not Facebook and it's not that Facebook was, but you could at least get in a community. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the men just don't generally and not, but they just don't generally talk about their feelings and, and it's not even easy for him either to kind of, to be vulnerable in that stance. And so, well, we were raised by a generation of dads who said, Boys don't cry. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And and so I think that's been the that was that's where if I had to kind of summarize his his grief, um, I don't know that I've you know he feels differently about that necessarily, but um, but it definitely has has created us to be um, more cautious with our kids and try and now we just struggle being overly cautious mm. so, that, to, so that they can still live their life. Yes. Does, does that anger ever seep back in every once in a while? Yes, it does. Um, it, it easily does um, for for me. And in fact, the other day, I, I remember I was going down this, this path like I did seven years ago. And I'm like, how, why am I doing this again? Right? Because I mean, you're constantly mm-hmm. having to fight this fight. And I, I allowed myself to feel it. Because what I realized is I'm never going to be healed from my grief from my son. I'm always going to grieve my son. So the feelings I have are valid. Um, The feelings that Drew has are valid. Um, But we have to stay focused. We can't. I mean, it's been, you know, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. But you still have to continue fueling that fire so that it doesn't go out. And so that's where the anger is definitely there. I get now I get angry because because my kids are hurting and that's mm. not fair to them. Yeah. Yeah. They did nothing to deserve that kind of pain. Yeah. Um and so so now I will live my life trying to help them work through their pain and their grief. And The one thing I always, when they do share something with me is thank you so much for sharing that with me. Because even as kids, they don't want, because sometimes it makes us cry, right? They don't want to make their parents cry. Yeah. But I'm thinking, I mean, we think about our son every second of every day. I mean, he's with us all the time. So nothing, bringing, bringing him up is never going to... I mean, I'm already thinking about it, so let's talk about them, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so I think that's where that's where I get angry the most a lot right now in the, our current our current phase in life is um, having our, our kids be in pain. Our older stepdaughters, you know, Ashley and Rachel, you know, um, they love their brothers so much. And so they really remember. Yeah. They were there. They they know. They yeah. saw. Um and and they still grieve it, right? Of so course. it's a um it's just a it's a very oh, it's frustrating. Yeah. Um it makes me angry to think that even they 
are going through, you know, pain and um, that because you just want to take it away from your kids. You don't want your kids to ever be in pain. Yeah. So um, it's the nature of a parent. It's the nature of a parent. And in this instance, there's nothing that we can do to um, to take that away from them, because truly it's because he was so loved. Right. I mean, we loved him so very much in that small time that we had seven months and 11 days. That's what we had for him. Um, So, yes, I get angry. And it was so sudden. It was so sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever have that temptation to, you know, do what, of course, is not recommended, but just not talk about him, not think about him, not, you know? No, I I wasn't capable of doing that. And I know people have done that. And I think that that's where I I understand that no one losses the same. Like, no, no, we know one person's, you know, grief is always different. Yeah. And I would tell people, you know, give yourself grace if that's what you have to, to do to survive. But just to know that that's not that's not long term. That's yeah. not something that you can sustain. Yeah. So it isn't. Um, we talk about him every day, and um, I don't. I talk about my kids. Yeah, I have five kids. And and oh whoa wow you know oh you must be Catholic well (laughs) it looks a little bit different on paper yeah but my oldest is thirty two my youngest is four and that's kind of how I leave it because when you start talking about your the death of a child people get very uncomfortable so I don't really care if you're uncomfortable but I don't really need your pity or anything of that nature but I have five kids and Mm -hmm. I'm you know and two of them are my stepdaughters. And then I have I have three, and I've had three kids and two pregnancies, and and that's kind of what I tell people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just leave it at that. And so yeah, I get angry because I never got to hear my son say "mom" or "mama." Mm. Um, I never got to hear him say "I love you." Um, I, I'm I get really angry for Trace because he is a twin. I mean, yeah, I, he's a twin, and he just wants. To have a best friend with him 24-7. Yeah. And he's got a great personality and he's funny. But you can definitely see um, where he just likes having people with him all the time. And that's okay. And it's okay. Everybody's different. Like some people need their alone time and some people need – he doesn't. That kid, he doesn't need to recharge. He can be with you 24-7 and be perfectly happy. Well, from conception, he had a buddy with him. Yes. And That's they what fought. it was. And they fought when they were, they would, <laughs> they fought for space. And I would tell them in the, and during the day, Tucker was awake and at night you were awake and uh-huh. y'all, and I was so exhausted because they were kicking and they were good sized babies. They uh-huh. were so healthy when they were born, uh-huh. you know? And so, yeah, he, from, from conception, he had, he had Tucker and um, always, you know, it's, he goes through moments where it's really, really pure and beautiful where he's like, you know, mama, Tucker's in my heart and I always feel him with me. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then he has moments of being angry and sad and hurt of why isn't he here? Yeah. Why, it, why can't he play with me? Because we would be best friends. And yeah. I think especially when he sees um, like twins in his grade, mm. you know, he sees, he sees that ability and yeah. that relationship and I think, oof, um, yeah, baby, I don't, I don't have the answer, and, and it's hard for him because I don't always have the answer, and and I have to be very honest with him because as parents, we want to be able to 
give yeah. them and tell them and guide them and say, you know, I, I don't know. I have the same questions, but we can all we can do is just pray to God and ask him and, you know, pray that Tucker comes to you in your dreams. Because sometimes he's like, oh, I dreamed about Tucker last night. I'm like, oh, my mm. gosh, tell me about it. So yeah. um, and then our daughter is, you know, uh, similar and not not as not as strong because she's four. But they fight over because, you know, saying, well, well. You know, I you know I was I was alive when Tucker was here, and you weren't. And I'm like, oh, let's not go there. You know, so I mean, because she was, <laughs> yeah. you know, wasn't born yet. But yeah. um, they are. Um, yes, I, I do. We, we I get angry, um, and I just allow myself to feel it because it's it's you got to give yourself grace. Are those milestones harder? You know, with your son thinking, oh, there could have been another boy there at that time. All the time. Because it's one thing to, you know, celebrating birthdays, right? Yeah. I, this is that part where I go, I just, I want to give him the best life because naturally I don't want to do anything on Tucker's birthday, but yeah. I, it's Trace's birthday too. Mm. So we had to figure out how to, how do we balance, how do we balance this so that he has the best loving life possible. And he is so loved. Um, but that's hard. It is hard. It's the Christmases. It's you look at a picture and see you're always missing somebody. Yeah. So a lot of times, most of the time when we take pictures, pictures as a family and more professional, not just, you know, the casual ones, but we always have a picture of Tucker or somebody's holding. Yeah. And so it's always who's going to hold Tucker, you know, and it's a picture and it's the same picture we've had mm-hmm. um, when he took his... uh even when he was a baby. So we, from when he was doing like his one-year-old pictures, we always had a picture of Tucker with him. Uh-huh. Um, it was kind of the same picture. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, it is it is very hard. Like when he starts, to, um, you know, when he's playing baseball, right? And there's twin boys on the team. And I'm oh, like, that's hard. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay, God, you're telling me something. Uh-huh. I don't really like it. I don't know what you're trying to tell me. Um, or when you hear another you know, we're in the, we were just finishing baseball season, but when you hear um, the name Tucker for a baseball player, mm. you hear, you know, on the Astros, there's uh, there's Kyle Tucker, who's in the uh-huh. outfielder. So my kids love him, right? Oh, it's Tucker batting. So, I mean, it's kind of a, it's one of those um, where it, it is very hard. The milestones are incredibly challenging um, and it's never the same. It's never the same. Like I could feel myself coming up on this week and being a lot more emotional about it. Uh-huh. Um, I, you know. I mean, looking ahead to it, you, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of difficulty, you know, high school graduation, you know, confirmation, those types of things, those milestones, you know, there's just, just something missing there. Always. And it's going to constantly test your faith. Always. It, it absolutely is. It still does. Um you know, they say there's there's always going to be an empty chair at my table. Yeah, and and that's in that's at church, that's in the car. You know, I always um, I always wonder what life would have been like with him, what his voice sounded like. Um, he had the best giggle. I mean, he had a giggle that came from way down deep, and it oh. shook his whole body and these big old cute cute cheeks. And and you know, I just I. Um, just think about that all the time. And I can sit there and daydream about my kids and mm-hmm. him being there. Yeah. What would he look like? And um, my son asked me, you know, Trey said, you know, what is Tucker going to be like when he gets to heaven? I said, I don't know. 
do you think I'll recognize him? That's a great question. Is he going to be a baby? I said, I don't, I, I, you know, heaven is what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. It's the most beautiful place that you can imagine. Yeah. I, hope, I always just hope I answer it right. Because I, I don't, you know, that's how everything I've looked at. And so when Drew and I were talking one day, and I said, you know what I think? I think when I get to heaven, Tucker's going to be seven months and 11 days old, and I'm going to get to watch him grow up. Oh. That's what heaven's going to be. Yeah. Doesn't that just sound beautiful? It does. So that's, you know, that's where I'm at with it. And so that's a motivation to to make your way to heaven. Exactly. That's the fight to heaven. Yeah. And so when the when the the grief and the anger and all that gets to you, um, give you got I have to give myself grace. Sometimes it's adoration. Sometimes it's going to church and just sitting there. Sometimes it's just working out. Sometimes I mean, it is different. Every time it comes up, yeah. But what I've learned is I have to acknowledge it. Um, I have to give it the space that it deserves because that anger is love. It's that love. It's there's so much love that I have for my son that even more now than I ever thought was possible. Um, so that's that's where yeah I get angry and I'm okay with it because I'm a person and I'm real and I can't. I'm I have to give myself that grace. What advice would you give to somebody who has a friend or a family member that is in the midst of grief? Show up, sit with them, let them cry. If they say something really crazy, it's okay. Sit in the pain with them, show up. Um, And that could mean something different for everybody. Um, and what do I mean by show up, right? I, if they're in a lot of pain, don't try to pull them out of it. Sit in the pain with them, go to church with them, go to adoration, go to their house and just let them talk about the person they lost. Don't care if it makes you uncomfortable, right? It's healing for them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, everybody is going to grieve differently. So you kind of have to kind of judge that person and um, if you ask them to do something and they turn you down, don't stop asking. I would tell my friends, I, I just can't do that, but thank you for asking, but please don't stop. And they mm-hmm. did. I mean, it's natural. It may be one, two, three, four years from now, uh-huh. but don't stop. You know, if you, if it's a child, if it's, you know, remember their birthday, remember the day they died, went to heaven, you know, put it on your calendar, send a quick note thinking about you today. That's it. It's a it's a marathon, right? Like everybody shows up right after something tragic happens, uh-huh. but then everybody goes back to their life and that person sitting there going, how can you possibly be moving on when my son's gone? Uh-huh. I can't, can the world please stop turning? And mm-hmm. you can't make it. And so when I say show up, it's not just right immediately. It's, it's long-term. It's sending that text if you think about it. It's knowing when their birthday is. Do they have an anniversary? The day they, you know, you know, asking, hey, um, what are you gonna do? Can I, can I, you know, or or dedicating a mass to their to their person? Um, those are that's a, it's a long term. I have people that I've kept up with now for seven years that I've met, and and they said, I can't believe you're still texting me, and I'm like. How can I not? You're woven into my 
you know, because they lost a child and all of a sudden after you lose a child, you like know all these people and I'm like, this sucks because I don't want to know you because of this, but I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you for sharing your child with me. Um, Ask them about that person, right? Maybe not like really, but allow them to talk to, tell you about them, ask them questions, say their name. Oh my gosh, people are so, they don't want to ask me about Tucker. Why? I mean, and I, we don't do, I don't think as a culture, we do a great job of honoring those who have passed, right? Because it's, it, it's, it's taboo or whatever, you know, you're going to make them upset. No, they're already upset. There's nothing that you're going to say or do that's going to make me not think about my son. Yeah. Um, and so I had a really beautiful ag sister um, ask me, hey, could we like go grab, you know, coffee or something and you show me pictures of your son? I was like. Yeah, I would love to uh, do that. I, nobody's ever asked me. Am I like crying thinking about it? Because nobody's ever asked me to do that. She was like, I would just really like to know your relationship with him. And I would just like to understand, like, I would just like to see more pictures of him. And I'm thinking, what a beautiful soul, because I just really believe the Holy Spirit was really pushing her to do that. So um, ask to see pictures, ask to tell stories. You know, what did you love about them? You know, what do you mean? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. but as though they're present, but don't feel like you can't mention them, you know, and, and I'm not saying it, doing it like at the, you know, right away, but it's a marathon. Yeah. That person will grieve that person for the rest of their life. What's the worst thing somebody could do to somebody who's grieving or say? Oh, oh, there's so many things. Um, um, What what do the people? Oh, I've had so many people say is, is oh my gosh, you're so strong. I'm really not. I'm 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 barely hanging. I'm hanging on by a thread. Is oh well, God chose him. I have some words for you right now. Don't ever tell me that again, because that doesn't make it better. Uh-huh. Oh well, they were chosen. No, that's it's not quite how that works, right? Like, um, so I've struggled a lot with that. Um, oh, you're gonna you're a better person now. Well, I wasn't a bad person before, you know? So I know that you're like, oh my gosh, people say these things. And and the reality is, is I give a lot of people a lot of grace. Um, I've had friends compare my son's death to their divorce. And I'm thinking, I can't even talk to you anymore. Like we're, we're so far apart at this point that it's okay that you don't understand how I feel. I don't want you to ever understand how I feel, but don't try to come down to my level with something that is so far different, right? Uh-huh. So um, those are some of the the things that I would, you know, tell tell people is um, just tell them that you love them and you love the person, whoever it is that passed away, you know, we loved them. Tell stories, email them stories about them. Like what a great way to honor that person is to tell stories or send pictures or something along those lines, you know, but but commenting on how somebody's, dealing with grief is um, there's no words for it, right? I mean, and I'm sure I've said those things to somebody, right? But when they were said to me, I'm thinking, wow, we're so far apart. And I hope you never tell that to anybody else because um, I'm not a better person because my son's gone. Like that doesn't make me a better person. I was already a good person before. It changed me. Yeah. And no, you know, God wasn't chosen. I would be like, okay, you know, I'm going to have a lot of really things that I never said anything back because I was just such in shock. Right. Um, but I think if you don't know anything to say, just tell them that you love them and mm-hmm. that you're praying for them and, and that, um, 
be realizing that it's a marathon a year, two, five, six, ten years from now, I still have ex-sisters that are reaching out to me. Um, that means so much to me because um, remembering my son is probably the most genuine thing that you can do. And it it takes nothing, right? Yeah. It's, it's in your heart. It's who they are. Um, it costs nothing, right? A text, an email. Yeah. Wow. So. What advice would you give to a parent who has lost a child? Wow. Um, Somebody who's in that anger portion who just is started dealing with it who's lost and you know everything's still a blur yeah um give yourself grace don't push through the pain sit in the pain and take one step at a time that's it that there's there's not a whole lot where I, I would say, you know, I, I would love to say, don't lose your faith. It's okay that if you do, um, you feel like it's shaky. Um, you know, if they if but stay focused on where you want to be, where you want to go. You want to get to heaven so you can be with your child. Um, give yourself the grace and the feelings. You're gonna get mad, you're gonna get angry, you're gonna get sad. And you, people may not come back in your life and that's okay. It's going to be hard. That happened to me. It happened to us. Um, It's disappointing, but you're going to really find who your true friends are. Um, So when you're in the middle of that haze and that anger, don't do anything rash. Just let sit, cry, thrash out. Be in a vulnerable space and a safe space that you can do that. Go see your priest. We saw Father Dat a lot. We just fell in love with him even more and more. Um, when he would and he would sit and he would cry and he would it, just because you couldn't help it, right? I mean, our story is so tragic. Yeah. And he would he would he would just sit with us and he would pray and he would just say, "I'm praying for you." He just, he, even, he doesn't have any special words. Mm-hmm. He didn't have you know any. There's nothing. You know, he didn't make any excuses for why God took my son. He just said, you know, I'm, I'm praying for you. You know, you just, and and so that I would, you know, don't forget. You can ask, I think the one thing that we forget is we can have meeting with our priests. We can have, we can go see them. We can ask for advice. We can have that relationship. So don't and hesitate to call the priest. Don't hesitate talk. to call the priest. Don't hesitate to call a deacon. Um, you know, call the office. If you don't know, call them and say, I just lost my son and I really need somebody to talk to. Is the priest available? Is the deacon available? And just go. Mm-hmm. It's very vulnerable, but you can't be in a more safer space with a person than that. Go to sit. I would sit in adoration and I would sit and just cry and cry. And I and it was I was loud and I couldn't help it. I would sob and sob. And I would sit in that pain. And it was hard and it was, it was, oh, it was so, so, it's so terrible, but I didn't try to push through it. And I think that that allowed me to be a mom to Trace um, because he continued to be my focus. And eventually, because at some point it's like, 
I'm so, I have nothing left. So I could pick one thing and that was being a mom. Mm. Not that being a wife isn't utterly important, but I knew that Drew would be okay if I just needed to focus on, if I could just do these one thing. So eventually it allowed me to start saying, okay, I need to, we need, we need to continue, you know, working on, you know, being focused on each other. We, you know, we, we never, um, we never lost sight of each other. And I think that was, was really beautiful. So is that um, something you'd say also is focus on something like being a, a mom too? Absolutely. Stay focused, find something, you know, I'm, I know I'm goal oriented um, and that it's really not a goal, but it's a focus of what means the most to you to keep you moving forward. And in that instance, it was my son, my earthly son, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was the one that that I could I could physically as a mom I want to take care I'm I'm a caring I want to yeah. want to love and I want to take care of him and um, that was the one thing that kept me moving forward and so I I I have had friends who said oh I you know this person you know lost their their child and same thing you asked me I'm like you just got to show up for them you got to give them grace well what do I say you don't you love on them you hug them send them food, send them di- dinner, you know, cause they're probably not eating. Um, all of those things that, you know, just don't, just don't take, no, just do it. You just got to do things. Right. And so, um, you know, staying focused on something that matters to you, even if it's just, I don't even know if it's an animal, right. Or if uh-huh. it's a parent or yeah. something along those lines, or it, it, maybe it is your husband or your wife. I mean, that may be what you have and that what keeps you grounded. Do, um, do you think some of the friends or, or family say the wrong thing? Cause they don't know what to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's, you know, at some, some point it, it, may, it does, it's frustrating. It makes you mad. Um, but that's where a lot of, you, you learn to be graceful in some things and you can be tactful and be like, please don't ever say that again. Um, and you don't have to be rude about it, but you can kind of educate them as well. Because like I said, I'm sure I've said things like that to people that I just didn't know any better. Uh-huh. I just, I, I really wish that people were, that death wasn't so, it's hurtful, but I wish we did better about it as a culture, mm. you know? And that's the one thing like, that we would we would do better at. Like I mean, I know in our Catholic faith we have the sacraments and the things of that. They're so beautiful, but um, just holistically as a culture, I just think we don't do a really good job of people realizing that it's okay to say their name. It's okay to ask questions. You know, don't ask them how they died if they didn't give it to you. If they didn't tell you, uh-huh. don't ask them. You know, because if it was tragic, like when when Tucker passed away, I, I, one, I didn't know Two, I didn't want to relive that day. Cause it was mm. so horrible. Yeah. You know, it was like a scene from a movie, like a car. I mean, literally in my front yard, it was horrible. Um, so I don't want to relive that. Yeah. Don't ask them those questions. If they don't tell you, if it's not out there, don't ask them. That's the best way. You know, some things are better left unsaid. And if you don't want to say, just tell them I love you and I'm praying for you. Mm. That's the simplest thing. Thank you so much for coming on. And, you know, it, it, I'm sure it was tough for you yes. to come and talk about it and to also kind of relive as yeah. well. So thank you so much and well, we'll be praying for you next week. Thank you. I Thank you. I'm honored to be here. And, you know, I, I've learned and it was it was not something that I I don't I love talking about my son. I love talking about my kids and my family and and Drew. And I and I've come to a place now that um the Holy Spirit really told me that 
you could do, you could help people. Um, I don't have the perfect recipe. I don't have the, per- I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I can only share my experience and maybe you take one or two things. And if I help one person, yes. then, then that's, that's, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and I, I don't know, I don't know that, um, half the time I'm not sure what I'm doing. I just know where I'm, where I want to go. Hopefully somebody who's, who may be in grief or who has a friend or loved one who's in grief will see this and, and take something away from it. That's my hope as well. God bless. Thank you.